So, Char, welcome to my new pod- podcast, the Regenerative Relationship Podcast. The purpose of it is that I want to have a place where there can start to be a new definition around relationship culture and crafting a different narrative around how to do relationships and people's experiences of relationships and how that connects specifically to regeneration and sustainability and improving the nature of our planet, things like that. And so to me, those two things are really intertwined. And I think what's out there right now in terms of content is there's a lot of um, awareness content happening which is awesome. And I have found immense value out of taking that content in myself. And the other piece of my sort of like personal journey on that is that I'm now wanting to weave that into a new story. I think that's kind of where I am with it. And so the idea with talking to other people about their experiences and their perspectives on relationships is that I think Everyone has sort of a piece to this puzzle and just by talking about it more openly and getting people's different perspectives, there's a chance to see that reflected in each other, that kind of thing. So that's awesome. Well, first, thank you for inviting me to this conversation. I listened to your teeing it up um, recordings that are on Spotify right now, and I liked that you started with like it's a joyful funny thing like these are deep topics but it's good to have a light heart and I think it's so innovative or different than how I think about saving the planet because I always think I'm like my own island and me and then people are like one thing and then the planet is its own whole experience and it's just so grounding to like have this conversation be in the sustainability sustainability in all areas of our life like compounds in the world I think that's beautiful yeah yeah and I think part of what has sort of led me to explore relationships from this perspective specifically is just the amount of conflict obviously that's out there and um, even when you know, even in the sustainability field, people wanting to do business and wanting to collaborate, but kind of defaulting to these old programs and old ways of doing things. And so to me, that's kind of where the bigger opportunity is, is like for the people who are really invested in sustainability and regeneration, how are we getting to the deepest layer of what that means actually? And so even in our most you know, our tiniest interactions, like how are we handling each other? How are we relating with each other? Things like that, because I don't know that, you know, it is possible to create a different story unless we're willing to be different with each other. And that takes a lot of personal work, but it also takes a lot of willing to be in relationship with each other and to work those things out. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of where I've 
been involved in sustainability and regeneration a lot, and particularly with brands and messaging those stories. Um, and this is the piece for me that really feels like it's missing in the conversation, uh, particularly in the larger corporate environments, but also at the personal level, you know, like, um, so yeah, I'm excited to just have a more holistic and kind of integrated conversation about how these things work together and how we sort of reevaluate sustainability and regeneration through the lens of relationship and, and what that means. So, so thanks for being my first official guest. I appreciate it. And yeah. And I think we kind of talked ahead of time about something that's been on your mind in terms of relationships these days. And I'd love to hear, you know, kind of your intro into that and what, what's on your mind. Yeah. Um, well, I guess just some background, like the, the two of us met working, which was actually my first real job, like big girl job um, at a startup that was really focused on like big, splashy change and disruption. And um, that was that brought up a lot of hard conversations, I feel like, because in this like idealistic climate of like we can change anything um it's really easy to fall back on like but what do we know actually works um in you know in business in company culture and there's a lot of tension there um and I think that's I noticed that in my own life too so like I'm from New York originally, I was born in 1996. So I'm like, right where millennial meets Gen Z. I'm definitely, if you ask my brother, who was born in 2003, I am a millennial. He's like, there's no debating that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I like one of my first, I, and I think this just has to do with like, becoming a teenager, like for my 13th birthday, I got a Facebook account. And that was kind of where I started to really create relationships like of my own, like beyond school or my parents, friends or camps or places where I had been kind of like placed. I, the internet was where I really started um, like building relationships. And I think about that a lot today. Um, you know, what is that? 15 years later mm -hmm. almost um, because I feel like a lot of my relationships have like lived or yeah, a lot of, a lot of like my interacting with people can happen online. And then yeah. a lot of what I'm like crafting in my head is then I'll like translate it to words on a screen. But when it comes to like being with people in person, there's not that same kind of delay where you get to like you know, if you're writing something hard, you can run it by like four of your friends and say, oh, is this the right thing to say? Would you tweak this word? Yeah. Um, and some traps I fall into today. And, and I think like, also just trying to like, not just put it in this negative light. Like, I think it's a good thing to be aware of and just keep growing within myself. It's just like, really confusing kindness with people pleasing or showing up for in a relationship where I'm just like wanting to keep the peace 
because mm-hmm. I don't have that control that I have online where I can say the 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 real thing that might push the conversation. Um, and a lot of that too has been wrapped up in like some feelings of perfectionism in my connections. Like I, when I, and I think work is a really like easy example, like wanting to just always appear like we're things are all going to be all right and let's just get through today and keep kind of pushing things through um I, I don't know if that's that's kind of a work <laughs> euphemism for like um just not saying the hard thing at the expense of like an uncomfortable conversation yeah um and then ultimately getting into that place of like resentment or anger because I'm not having those conversations so I'm not getting to where ultimately I need to I feel I'd be like more true in in my quest for these relationships so um I think some of the topics it's like people pleasing perfectionism but also this like digital world and with like where I'm my I sit in generationally uh balancing all of that yeah Well, I share a sentiment with you in terms of I'm right on the cusp of millennial and Gen X. And so I kind of, so 1980 is for me. And it's that split of like my childhood was, and most of my teen years were pretty unaffected by technology. And it was only in my late teens, early twenties that, you know, digital became a thing for me. Um, and not even really, I got an email address when I was 20 years old, I think, um, which is pretty, (laughs) (laughs) to just be, you know, I say sweet to be kind of isolated from, uh, you know, what all that people and especially younger people are kind of having to grapple with now. And I think about that a lot, particularly in these conversations around like, how are, younger generations navigating this obviously you never know it's it's always different for the person going through it and they have different views and different skills that they're probably relying on that you know adaptabilities I guess I might call them that you know if I was born in that generation as well I would probably have you know adaptable skills toward the environment that kind of thing and so but I'm just I am curious about how, you know, I'm curious about the generational divide and how that affects the views of relationships. Cause I really notice it a lot in terms of um, younger generations and particularly people sort of in their twenties and thirties, really like looking for better information about how to do relationships and kind of having, you know, the, it feels like right now, the main two examples that are available is like, okay, I could do, you know, what my parents' generation did or what the, you know, older generations in front of me did. It it might not even be parents. It could be, you know, any example of relationship modeling, um, you know, in the older generation set um, where there is a lot of that going along to getting along kind of thing. And that is a mentality. And then I see, you know, the other sort of option that has been pretty prevalent and dominant over the last decade or so is just this like rampant hookup culture and polyamory. Like that's maybe the extreme, you know, other answer to, you know, what seems like a very 
controlled situation on the far, you know, those are two far extremes, right? And so obviously not every relationship fits into one of those two categories or not every dating or relationship experience fits into one of those two categories. I think that they just kind of benchmark what can feel like this power pull between freedom and um, comfort, you know? And I think that's ultimately what's kind of underneath a lot of this relationship tension and trying to find people's place in relationship that feels like they're being supported in a real way and that they can kind of live to their full capacity while also, you know, engaging in healthy, familiar dynamics, that kind of thing. And so there's a million ways to go about finding that. (laughs) And um, that's what I get really curious about is how are people finding that balance, you know, because that feels like the core similarity um, across many scenarios. And, and yeah, I think the, the concept or the idea of people pleasing is really central to what you just mentioned of like, it's this way of navigating the world in order to just sort of keep the peace, but what, at what cost kind of thing. And I actually think that that is really central to why people end up in relationships or jobs or situations that they just aren't feeling totally fulfilled in. And there's that fear of rocking the boat or having to say something hard, which you might not be used to saying, you might not be used to expressing your feelings at all to, so to, try to go down that path of like full reveal is really intimidating and pretty scary, you know? So yeah, I'm curious, like, how have you kind of navigated those tendencies that you have felt and tried to find a different way forward? I like that you, well, you brought up so many things there, but um, I feel like the keeping the peace is such a great like idea of what I'm what that is supposed to feel like but it's so it's just not even true like in the moment it feels peaceful but then down the line you are feeling what you avoided feeling in the first place and so you actually don't get any peace I I, I guess I'll speak for myself I don't get any peace at all because then I feel like I'm a fraud or like not I'm wishy-washy on my ideas and I have all these judgments on not being able to be authentic in the first place um and I mean also just like having this idea of like my image I think there's a very like literal play to social media like what I put on Instagram or what I want to like share with the world is something that I feel uh like this push and pull because I'll talk to my dad who's you know born in 1959 so he's definitely like in the boomer area and he'll just see how I'm overcomplicating things he's like we've always had an image I needed to get dressed and go to work and do my job and I didn't agree with people and that's just is what it is but it feels like there's something so much more maybe it's like the instantaneousness of it of like posting something and and being ready to like feel that like peaceful feeling of like now like everyone knows who I am and then quickly all these feelings coming of like you know I'm not good enough or just Mm. stuff comes up and um I mean right now you know I used to be like 
when I was in my early 20s, being a stoner was the answer. Through like the past few years, I've really come to to have a lot of experiences where I've noticed that like just you ever keep getting the same like problem coming up again and again it just looks different kind of a thing like in a relationship some like or it doesn't even have to be the same person but like the same kind of conflict keeps happening and it's like why am I not moving forward and it's because I'm not doing the thing that my gut's telling me to do most of the time and so for me like being honest with myself about where I was like creating some false connections um in my life like whether that was through like you know an example is smoking weed but there are so many other ways just like gossiping or Mm -hmm. um the peace or um yeah just just letting myself get resentful over things because I wasn't willing to like say the hard thing when it needed to be said Uh um now I feel like I'm getting to a place where I'm seeing those moments for what they are more. Um, And I think the pandemic and just like how much has been shaken up in our like global sphere, like makes, it's like, I had a boss, she would always say like, ice melts shit shows. And I feel like that was (laughs) maybe also relates to like the planet right now. Like there's just a lot of like cracks are showing in how like our society functions and um like kind of how I feel like this your goal here is just how do we create those relationships I think it's for me it's like I have to be the right person to find the right person I need to Mm -hmm. it needs to come from within before I can even start to like bring it without and so yeah yeah, a lot of like learning self-compassion through those perfectionist moments because it's really easy to make like a a whole intro body conclusion on what I could have done better in a situation in hindsight um but now like through like working more honestly like with my with myself and like what I really need to show up authentically in the world that's helped me kind of at least start these like regenerations within my life and it's a slower process than Uh I was but it's uh it's like also rewarding yeah yeah I I have found that as well just the pace that these things can take feels glacial at times but it's kind of a thing too where once you start focusing on these sort of more micro changes or micro shifts um, those are really the things that add up to the macro shifts and so I always try to just get in this practice of like always like doing a little bit of a check back of like, okay, let's check the progress. Cause like, it feels like maybe I'm not moving forward sometimes actually a lot of times it feels like that. And then I have to just reorient to the, to the progress that I've made. And, and I think there's no better time to do that when you find yourself in a situation that previously you would have had one reaction and now maybe you're having a slightly different reaction or maybe an entirely different reaction. And so just taking note, like clocking those little points of progress, that has been one way that I kind of like refill my cup and my motivation for this type of work. Cause it can get really intense and it can feel really like burdensome at times, but 
it's those moments of like, oh yeah, I am shifting actually. And I'm noticing that my relationships are shifting and my outside world is shifting. Like there starts to be this sort of ball of momentum that picks up that I find is really kind of like the thing that keeps me in all of this um, practice. And I get excited to see like where the next roll of the ball is going to take me and like where the next gathering of momentum is going to go, that kind of thing. And so that's always what keeps me sort of engaged. Cause I do think if there's not an incentive for this kind of like, you know, deep diving into ourselves, which is, I think you're exactly right. Like that's where all of this work starts, then um, it is hard to stay motivated and to want to continue to engage in it. But I do think people, when they're ready for it, it's really clear. And there's just that there's a pulling and you kind of get, you have little breaking points where you're like, Oh, I just can't do things like this anymore. Like I just can't act like this anymore. And like, you start to take that responsibility on for yourself of like, okay, it's not actually the other person. I mean, yeah, we had a, maybe there was a tango that happened here and some things didn't go the way that I would have liked or my feelings are hurt. <laughs> I love <laughs> the tango. The yeah, there's a real tango happening. Um, and yeah, you're stepping on each other's feet actually. And, uh, and it hurts sometimes. And then it's also like, well, how can I straighten out my, if we're going to keep going with this little analogy, like how can I straighten out my part of this dance? to help it get back on track, or maybe, you know, I'm tangoing with a different partner, you know, like, how does this work? And I think always like bringing it back to what our role is in these um, relationships is kind of the sustainable regenerative piece of that, you know? And um, I like, I mean, I, I do identify with what you said um, about, well, one area that I, I feel like I get hung up on is sort of like the gossip mentality around. And I don't really find myself in places where this is very prevalent anymore, which is, again, just kind of speaks to different choices of like being around people that I think are really looking for the best in people and not trying to gossip or take people down in terms of that being a really strong social glue, you know, like, I think that's one way, I think that's one cycle that people get really caught up in when there isn't more emphasis on um, more genuine connecting. It's easier to default to the sort of like bond around what other people are or aren't doing kind of thing. Um, and I, I think there's a difference too, between gossip and just making light and making fun of human behavior. Like I'm a total fan of that. And I, you know, I get involved in that. And like, I try to hope that it's always coming from a place of like endearment, you know, and, you know, I, and I'm also not entirely innocent of participating in gossip too. You know, I just want to acknowledge that that is a powerful, that is a powerful connector for people. And that's one place where I think people can start in their own ways that they can start to shift like 
the conversation around gossip and turn it into something else that is a little more wholesome and a little bit more honoring of like who people are versus taking them down, that starts to kind of move us in a different, you know, into a different space actually. Um, and yeah, so. Yeah. I was going to just add for your tango metaphor that in my experience, like I've, I've noticed that it's, my tendency is like to avoid just Mm -hmm. if you mentioned like tangoing with someone else, like (laughs) when I'm stepping on toes, like that is, I hate that feeling. And, and I like, like how you described it as like, we like, how can I improve? Cause I think that's always like the light side of it. And, and when I think about like these regenerative, like relationships in our society, we definitely need to like, have those interactions where it's not as comfortable because I think that's how we create echo chambers in the real world because we surround ourselves with people who you know we feel and so we feel comfortable with stepping on their toes because there's this like shared understanding um maybe of like you know socioeconomic status or race or all of these different you know micro like macro factors but then we end up not feeling as connected because we're so segmented. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's been a challenge for me lately is like coming together with people who may be really different than me and just trying to like be my authentic self and be okay with like saying the wrong thing and Mm -hmm. causing, (laughs) causing like, a bigger conversation, um, where like, I need to continue to like, check my part and be like, be really present and aware of like, how I can like move the ball forward and not avoid, avoid the confrontation. Um, sorry, I know that you, I just, I really appreciate that, that dance because it is something that we, I think like, if we want to solve these, like, or help this glacial place pace continue to move in a direction that we feel like might be tending towards the positive and like seeing the momentum as positive like we do need Mm -hmm. to be okay with these moments of resilience where it feels like what is like why would I even put myself in that situation if I'm gonna feel uncomfortable um because that's where a lot of the growth I've noticed happens for me yeah definitely yeah and I do think you know, I actually think culture is a pretty powerful um, vehicle for speeding up change where, and that's another, you know, reason and intent behind the podcast is that it can contribute to a larger cultural conversation where if we're all in a culture of trying to just incrementally improve how we show up in relationships, again, incrementally, because I think anything more than that starts to feel overwhelming and daunting, but for all doing these incremental steps to just adjust and show up differently, that adds up to a lot of power and a lot of momentum, you know, and the, and the conversation changes, you know, people do start to, it becomes a different culture essentially around relationships. And, um, you know, I know now we're in a really big self-improvement swing and there's a lot of talk around self-improvement and, um, 
doing the work and all this kind of stuff. And, and it's great. I mean, there, there needs to be that sort of like deeper journeying and deeper uncovering. Um, and I think one of the things that could help is to continue to find ways to integrate this type of work into daily life. So it doesn't feel like you have to cut yourself off, go on a retreat, have a big awareness, come back into your life and figure out how to like now integrate this awareness. It's like, how can we do this as we're just moving through life, you know? And I, I really, again, I appreciate you coming on here and talking openly about this stuff because part of it is just having more open dialogue about what people are kind of moving through. And um, again, I don't, I, I, I think people come at it from all different angles, but I do think there are really clear generational themes and things like that. And it's helpful to talk about that stuff. I also think there's really clear themes with how men and women relate with each other, things like that. And that's something I've just started to open up a lot more into of like really trying to understand the opposite sex. Cause sometimes honestly, I don't understand them. They're confusing to me. <laughs> And I don't, I don't, I think it's just that we haven't had good information, honestly. And a lot of where the misunderstandings are coming from is that we're just not um, taking the time. We're not slowing down enough to kind of just understand where people might be coming from. And we're not taking the time to have these conversations that if you just knew a little bit more context about someone, it might change the way that you relate with them, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, yeah. it's definitely because I'm married, I'm coming up on one year of being married and we've been together for almost six years. So it's definitely, we're, we're far past the point of like when you're first getting to know each other, but there's still like even last night I was trying to like better understand how my husband may like view women societally. And I was asking these like really broad questions and he's like a pretty logical, straightforward thinker and all uh -huh. like these really like broad sweeping, like, and also just kind of bizarre questions. Like I, I was just, this is how I put it. Cause I didn't know how else to put it. I was like, do you think women are a joke and his immediate response was just like how could you ever ask me something like that like yeah obviously he's like what do you mean what do you even mean by that yeah <laughs> like I don't know I don't I what do I mean like I'm yeah. trying to get to like how does like how do you see the world like how does because I know how I see the world, but like, I really want to understand, like, on, a, on the biggest, like, broadest stroke, like, do you ever feel these, like, very stereotypical, like, probably very cynical ways uh -huh. men might do the world, um, trying to, like, dig into that more. And um, I think just getting to, like, have some more grace for, like, men in general, I think it's tough where we are at right now where there has been like this really big societal push of like and I'm not I'm no expert so this is just yeah these are just observations page, okay yeah this totally. is just that there has been a lot of like open dialogue around women's issues that's not to say that they've been solved or like we're still we still have a like 
like the Barbie movie, for example. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that, but um, America Ferrera gives this like huge speech about how it's impossible to be a woman. And I'm sitting there crying, like just this is beautiful. I'm being spoken to. And then the Ken message is like, just like we like beer and like acting like cowboys. And it wasn't this like impassioned thing. And that's fine. Like that's uh-huh. not what the movie was trying to maybe communicate. But I think their men's issues with like, you know, just like emotional vulnerability and like not being, not having that space the same way mm-hmm. women do really like emote these types of like feelings even or like they also just don't think that way. So maybe yeah. that's part of it. But like um, a long time ago, I read Liv's Planks for the Love of Men. And mm-hmm. she's like a feminist writer and she has a lot of great um, content. Um, but I I just think it's like important for me when I'm like getting into that kind of my headspace of like, all men think women are a joke to kind of uh-huh. like <laughs> my, take off my blinders and be like, okay what are you actually trying to get at and like how can we just like continue to like even when we have those moments like what are you trying to say like there's no connection point here like continuing to like push through that no connection point to like find the connection point and sometimes it takes a few tries but I think yeah some unwinding some unwinding and some like just you know yeah, just having like giving space for people to process what we might be trying to get at or mm-hmm. um, have these bigger conversations because I know I could be talking to myself in my head all day about a certain like, you know, societal issue. And then I'll come to my husband with like a question that's like 73 steps down the line like yeah. that. <laughs> you know, we need to start from like, you know, move back. So um yeah that's just that's how I feel today with even just connecting with yeah men (laughs) yeah well and I just think it's a thing where if we can kind of both take on both as in men and women and I'm just generalizing here but take on the role of like curious questioner a little bit you know because I do think there's just so much uncharted territory around there's been just so much conflict and sort of like um power you know just trying to gain power like women have just been trying to gain their own sense of personal power in society for a really long time. And so that's been so much of the conversation is this power dynamic, you know, and when you take that away, when you just strip it down to like, okay, we're, we're all humans and we're trying to, we are trying to experience power in some way, shape or form, but it's, if we center it more around personal power, what does that look like? What does that conversation look like? You know, like, what do you need to feel powerful in your full expression as a person as a man what do I need to feel powerful in my fullest expression as a woman and like where can we find the sort of compatibility in that and I actually think there's a lot of solutions available if you can get to that level of the conversation you know Mm -hmm. but it's kind of wading through all the surface level like projections that 
we all have about each other that that's the that's the part that takes work right it's to kind of constantly put the um the projecting voices which are always coming from a source of pain or hurt or past you know slight of some sort um but to like create more space for that projection to exist in a larger because those really aren't going to ever go away fully, you know? So I think when we try to just eliminate them altogether, we're kind of acting against ourselves in a way because we're saying this part of me is not welcome. It's bad. It's shameful. And that's, that's a lot of where we get hung up in being able to, you know, that part is getting activated either from ourselves, our own sense of shame or from another person sort of poking on that. And there's just no room for like a bigger conversation when that is up. And so if we can just make bigger space for ourselves to exist as rational human beings with also these like children that we're tending to all the time <laughs> and hopefully, you know, kind of like having developing a relationship with and having a good sense of tuning into their needs, because that's ultimately like what no, you know, we're going to be the most consistent person in our life always, you know? And so if we're tending to this part of us, that's activated, it can free up space to have, um, to manage those parts of us when we're in a really intense moment, um, to be able to get to the deeper layers of like, what is actually going on here kind of thing. Um, so you, you I get really... about like inner, inner child. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Around the street. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Those, those little, those little devils. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and that's been like the a bigger turning point for me. And in, in this, you know, in noticing the quality of my relationships shifting is just being able to like, give that part of myself space and validation, honestly, because the more I've kind of gotten into that part of my personal work, I've really noticed that um, and have been guided and taught through working with facilitators that those parts are really just protecting us on a certain level. They're actually doing some kind of a job. Um, and there is some reason behind why that activation is still, you know, so up. Um, but again, it's kind of less about eliminating it and more about accepting it, growing compassion for it, growing more space in our nervous system to kind of be able to be with the mature part of ourselves and the childlike parts of ourselves. And, and honestly, like, I'm really interested in this territory about, you know, you know, on the topic of expanding the narrative around relationships and what they're meant to do and how they're meant to be. Um, obviously each person has to define that for themselves, but I'm really interested in this space of like, I think there's a really there has been a dominant narrative for a long time of like, you have to just fully love yourself before you can be in a relationship with another person. And I, I think that's true to an extent. I think you definitely have to have, um, you know, in order to be able to get along with someone over a long period of time, you do have to have some level of self-responsibility. And I also think that part of why humans exist is to be in relationships. And we're, we're actually holding great like medicine and healing for each other when we can help each other, um, come back to center and, uh, you know, 
you choose who you want to do that with, of course, but I don't think that, you know, I don't think a long-standing, sustainable, regenerative relationship is ever going to be void of times in which the other person just needs, their inner child just needs comfort, you know, and it's a difference of if, if someone can't regulate those things on their own all the time versus if there's just some, an, an extra layer of support needed by the person that they're in a relationship with, you know? Um, so obviously I don't, you know, I'm saying I'm just really interested in this territory because it feels like something, it feels like a different layer to, to the culture of relationships that hasn't been explored enough of like, well, how can our, you know, social ties actually enhance one another? How can our ability to turn toward one another actually you know, heal and kind of like satiate these parts that get activated. And how can we do that in a way that's like supporting of the other person so that we're not, you know, obviously not draining the other person in the process of that, you know, like, what does that actually look like? Um, so anyways, I know we, that was a bit of a side tangent, but to bring it back to sort of this topic of people pleasing, I just, I don't think there's any way to do that unless you can be truly authentic with what you're feeling. And that takes practice. It takes practice to learn how to continuously step into the vulnerable spaces where you're saying the thing that feels the most exposed and the other person could crush you in that moment. And you're kind of just opening to the possibility that maybe they won't, you know, and, or maybe they're, maybe you stumble through a conversation that you learn how to be vulnerable more often, or you build that skill set or that resilience. Does that, am I? It all, it's all tracking. And, and I mean, just from on like an inner child standpoint, like I love listening to Dr. Becky. I don't know if you've listened to her at all, but she's like, a whole she's one of like a doctor who's really into the internal family systems and it's all about talking to the like people within you like the worry girl or you know the angry boy or whoever is coming up people and she's like um for moms helping their kids but really it's like it's a it's really for you the mom to like work through themselves because when they see something coming up in them it's always like when they see it in their kid, they feel it in them and, you know, all of that. So I really recommend that for, for like anyone who's like interested in that topic, Dr. Becky, she's got so much wisdom there. Um, and I mean, yeah, like life is in the here and now we have to like help other people, you know, like there's the self-help section that's like teeming with books and ideas and thoughts and, Whereas like the helping others section, <laughs> like we don't we <laughs> spend a lot of time in our heads and, and we, we can, um, I know I do. And I find myself like feeling the most connected when I'm connecting with others. And yeah, I do think like, even I heard someone say, like, I just make it like my mission to make the woman at the checkout counter laugh. And today mm-hmm. I kind of tested that out and I was like, are you ready for spooky season? And immediately she laughed and (laughs) and it was just like, it was so sweet because I felt like, felt like I had that initial, like 
kind of feeling like, oh, I don't know if this is going to, but then we ended up having a great conversation about like Halloween and her son and what are we doing and cost, you know, all of these things that like, I could have just been sitting at the checkout, like looking at my phone, waiting for it to be done. So yeah, I think there are these like so many bids um, throughout the day to just like connect with other people. It yeah. doesn't have to be the hard conversation. Yeah. Um, but of course the hard conversation is where that like growing and vulnerability and o- making space happens. And I've been, I've been in a really, I've been, like I mentioned, there's like something that keeps coming up with people pleasing. And, and I, I set a boundary yesterday and my, the best advice was like, you don't have to say I'm setting a boundary. You just set the boundary of uh-huh. like, my availability and what I'm capable of. Yeah. And I can't control like as much as I'd like to manage it, like how this person was going to respond. And, yeah. you know, of course in my heart, I was like, they're not going to like that. I know they're not going to like that. I know them. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. They didn't like that. Very mad, very angry. Um, and said things to me that brought up a lot of feelings, but mm-hmm. I had been there before. Yeah. Um, in this, in this exact situation with this exact kind of interaction with this person. And because I had been there before, I didn't take it so personally this time. And I didn't, and and I really actually, while I still fear like, well, I'm going to see them in person and it's not going to be easy. Like, okay, but that's not happening right now. In this moment, I can at least feel this person is doing the best with what they have. It's not, it really is not up to me to like, I'm they were They were never in my hands. Like all, everyone is their own person. And, um, you know, we have these opportunities to just be true to ourselves. Um, and sometimes that is the helpful thing because if I, if I were to keep being inauthentic and I'm, I already know there are so many ways I could have handled this better, but like progress, it's about progress, right? Yep. I could have been people pleasing in this situation and instead I set a boundary and the hard thing happened, but it would actually be more of a disservice to this person to keep moving inauthentically Um, because they deserve someone who's going to like be there for them the way they need. And if I, if I'm not that person, it's good for them to know. Right. So um, it's just hard to like, to like there are the there are the positives like being with the women at the grocery store and then there are the hard parts of like you know w- working with people and it bringing up so much for you know me personally seeing like all the things I can do better like which is always like at first hard but turns out to be a gift like I'm grateful that yeah. I can see my own shit and like how I can like just you know be fake nice mm-hmm. just to keep the ball rolling because I'm like, well, that'd be easier. And it's not, it's like disingenuous and it's, um, it's like not helping anyone. And I love like back to your whole theme of the pod. If we want to be real and move forward and, and create this like sustainable, like regenerative growth, we can't like turn away from 
the parts of it we don't like to look at. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there's some nice metaphors in there too, in terms of like composting what, you know, is kind of no longer relevant and like letting that, that becomes food for the next iteration of, you know, like you set a boundary, you learn some things, there's some composting that's happening there in terms of like turning that into new life. And um, yeah, and I, I really go back to the, the theme with people pleasing around. It actually is like just, and I think you mentioned it too, it's actually really kind of dishonoring and disrespectful of the other person because you're kind of saying like, oh, I don't trust that you can handle my truth and I have to take on this role of like over functioning or over protecting how you're feeling versus letting you take responsibility for your own reaction to kind of what I'm needing. And um, obviously there's like a whole separate discussion of like, what is a boundary, how to set it, all that kind of stuff that I don't know that we need to get into at this moment. But like, you know, it's just kind of when I think of people pleasing and being on the receiving end of people pleasing, I just think, just tell me what's going on. You know, like I would so much rather you just tell me your truth and I can deal with that 10 times, a hundred times better than I can with like knowing that you're not telling me the truth, but not really knowing what the truth is, you know, and like kind of feeling this like kind of skittish energy where it's like, it doesn't feel grounded, you know? And, and so I get frustrated um, when I have felt that on the receiving end. Cause I'm like, I feel like you're not giving me the opportunity to respond or be responsible for having my own reaction to your um, feelings and being able to like, you know, include that in, in the view of this particular relationship kind of thing. So, and yeah, and I think it can, I, I know I keep centering on more like close and intimate relationships, but I think this can come up just in day-to-day life when we're, you know, I mean, I, I know this is going to sound really rigid in a way, but like, I think white lies are one of the greatest ways that we erode our sense of self um, because they're white, right? They're like, they're, they're innocent enough to like not hurt somebody's feelings or just kind of get past a bump in the road. And not, I'm not saying that like every truth has to be like thrown down as a hammer and like, Mm. you know, put it all out there kind of thing. I think there's time for discretion and discernment and things like that. That all makes sense. It's just the, it's just when you're actually telling a lie on any level, it's a, it's actually a reflection of it's, that is not a, self-care thing to do you know what I mean that's like actually eroding your own sense of self and your own sense of being able to be true even in the smallest moments kind of thing but yeah yeah. I, I could go we could do a whole hour on honesty and it's I actually, Glennon Doyle, We Can Do Hard Things, her podcast mm. she just did one about like different lying styles and they brought up like even we, we shouldn't even say white lie because I mean, there are connotations there, right? Like, but like that we should move through and pass, but also just like lying is lying. But then at the same time, 
does everyone deserve our truth? There's mm-hmm. like a side of it that it's like, okay, like if you get really like meta, like, well, everyone doesn't need to know exactly how I'm doing. I can just say I'm good and like, let that go. But, um, but there are a lot of different lying styles. And like, this has been the glaring like headline for me, but through pe- people pleasing is lying. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah. just, if we put it just very clearly. And I think being like, bullshitter you know Mm -hmm. like just being someone who just wants to like just be right or being like a puppeteer like just wanting to like say the right thing to this person and then say something else to this person but like I'm always like coming out in a certain way and it's there's so many different styles of lying that I'll just come back to like or wrote such a good way to put it but any progress we want to make yeah. Well, and I think too, like, um, just to have compassion for those moments of people pleasing or, or p- taking on this orientation, it's like, yeah, there's that piece of control in there. And so there's a, there's something that there's a fear underneath that, that is moving that need to sort of control the situation. And so again, I don't want to get super deep into sort of like the psychodynamics of it. Cause I'm not a therapist, but you know, there is, yeah. I mean, the headline is that it's not actually truthful. It's not actually helpful. And it actually, you know, ends up taking away from both people in the situation. And so that is maybe just incentive enough to look at how to do things differently. And I think there's, you know, just to kind of close back on, the piece of like, well, you don't have to tell everybody your truth. And that is absolutely true as well. It's just like, how do we, how do we be in truth and, and not lie, you know, Mm -hmm. like, what's that, what's that space look like, I guess. So, so yeah. yeah, well, I think we've done a good job of coming full circle and is there anything else on your mind that you want to share or is this a good place to end? Thank you for your time. I really appreciate you opening up this conversation with me and excited to see where this pod goes. Yeah. yeah, me too. Thanks, Char. Um, thanks for all your insight and for being a willing participant. Anytime.